Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sabres and Oilers tonight at 9 from Edmonton. Captain Jack Eichel knows that they have to contain Connor McDavid this evening to find some success on the ice. You gotta be aware when he's on the ice. So dynamic and explosive, and he can turn nothing into something. So yeah, definitely have to be aware when he's on the ice. It's important. He drives their train over there, and it's five men trying to get gaps, take his time and space away, get in front of him. You know he's gonna make his plays. He always does. So you just try to minimize him. A couple of lineup notes for Buffalo. Nate Bolu checks in for Lawrence Pilot on the blue line, and Carter Hutton gets the call in net for Buffalo. Around the NHL, Josh Georges announced his retirement after 13 seasons in the NHL. Georges spent four of those seasons in Buffalo, playing over 200 games in the blue and gold sweater. Jake McCabe, a fellow D-man and former teammate of Georges, spoke on the impact he made on McCabe's young career. You know, I came in here as a young kid and sat right next to him in the room, and he was really great to me coming in here and embraced me, I guess, and kind of showed me the ropes and what a true professional was, really. You know, he came to work every single day, put his body in, in harm's way every single night. I don't know if the guy ever played completely healthy, to be honest. He was just one of those guys that grinded his way through, and, you know, someone definitely I looked up to, especially when I first came in, uh, into this rushing room. To some notable games around the Eastern Conference this evening, in minutes, the Maple Leafs are hosting the struggling Colorado Avalanche, and the Capitals host the Blues from the nation's capital. Then at 7.30, it's the Canadiens visiting the Bruins in Boston in a must-follow matchup for Sabres fans everywhere. Montreal is a team directly ahead of Buffalo, occupying the second wildcard spot with their 53 points. Buffalo comes into tonight against Edmonton with 52. And in college hoops, the Bulls men's team jumped to 16th in the nation via the latest AP Top 25 polling. It is the 10th straight week that UB has been ranked at the second longest streak by a team in MAC history. The Bulls visit Western Michigan tomorrow night at 7 p.m., and you can hear all that action over on ESPN at 1520. For WGR 550, I'm Kyle Powell, and don't forget to grab your tickets now for the WGR Celebrity Roast of Sabres legend Danny Gare on Thursday, February 28th at the Grapevine Banquets. Enjoy a complete three-course steak dinner or take in the VIP experience, including an exclusive reception before the roast. It's a WGR Roast of Danny Gare. It's presented by our friends at Liberty Cab, Seneca Poker inside the Seneca Niagara Casino, and by Dr. Buyer Optical Group. For a look that's on fire, call Dr. Buyer. With support from Bud Light, you can get those tickets now at WGR550.com. Time now for the nightcap. Who are you talking to right now? Do you know how much I make a year? I mean, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Do you know what would happen if I suddenly decided to stop going into work? A business big enough that it could be listed on the NASDAQ goes belly up. Disappears. It ceases to exist without me. No, you clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot. You think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks on WGR Sports Radio 550. Well, good old Brian Cranston. Did you see him on Good Morning Football giving that shout out to Nick Foles before the division round matchup with the Saints? Yeah, that was cool. You did? I liked it. Are you a Breaking Bad fan? I did. No, I watched it my freshman year of college. Well, like the first series I watched in college where I really, you know, rolled through it instead of 
doing homework and stuff like I'm that. I'm so upset it took me so long to get into that series. I just finished it maybe a couple months ago, but boy, was it binge-worthy. That's the thing. I'm never a fan of watching shows while they're on TV, as crazy as it sounds. It's easier for me and more fun for me to watch them when they're done so I can just binge through Your the time. whole thing in exactly. two, three, four months tops. Yeah, it was definitely a good experience. He was such a powerful, had a powerful character in that. Oh, man, that was something. Uh, but his best efforts were still not enough to power Nick Foles and the Eagles past the New Orleans Saints. I thought that they were going to do it. I did, too. I have not told the story yet today because we were jumbling and fumbling and stumbling around here with, you know, Joe having to leave early, being sick. But And that's another thing here. You're hearing my voice. This is Kyle. Hi. You heard my voice on the updates all day. I was thrust into a different role today. So we are going to get you to Sabres pregame. we got 55 minutes left. Me and John Simon here. He is on the board for me filling in. Thanks another different lot. voice, another I was going to say. Voice. Things are just in a in a flux today. It is. It is definitely a manic Monday here. But back to the story. So, Eagles get off to that great start last night, fourteen nothing. They punch the Saints in the throat on that first throw from Drew Brees. Where part of me still believes that I think he was underestimating this new and improved secondary. It's practice squad guys. Don't get me wrong, but they played with each other for the last four or five weeks of the season, the first round of the playoffs. These guys gelled in the secondary. And week eleven, when New Orleans torched the Eagles by 41 points. That was a different secondary. Those guys were banged up. They just took advantage of a very, very battered down team. And this was different. And I think they really shocked Drew Brees in that first play. But, you know, then you hit that rut. And, of course, it's New Orleans. It's Sean Payton. It's Drew Brees. He's got all these weapons at his disposal. All of a sudden, they get the lead. And, you know, the fourth quarter comes down to it. And I'm thinking after Will Lutz misses that 52-yarder, I'm like, holy cow. After last year's magic in the playoffs, now it's going to be – the story's going to be the year of the field goal after getting out of Chicago with Cody Parkey double-doinking and then Will Lutz missing right, the yeah. 52-yarder that gives you a chance to tie the game up by getting into the end zone and then you're an extra point away from stealing another one from New Orleans. And the time, it's, it's timing out nice, and they have that, that drive that's given to them with just under three minutes to go. And I'm sitting there watching the game, obviously, Eagles fan, you know. And I've, first down to Zach Ertz. Clock's running. They're being smart with their clock management. And then a run to Darren Sproles. I don't to watch you were watching the game, right? Yes. By the you very were. end I was hand up. Michigan State basketball played yesterday, mm-hmm. so I missed a lot of the first half. But I was able to catch the final quarter of, of uh of that game. Okay, well I I watched very diligently from kickoff into until about the two oh two mark of inter, of the fourth quarter. And here's why. Like that that play right before the game-ending interception that Foles throws between Alshon Jeffrey's hands into the arms of Marshawn Lattimore, which is ironic itself because he was the man that was at the forefront of the end of the season last year for New Orleans, and he clinches their next division, their, their yeah. win, and they go to the playoffs to face the Rams now. That was kind of funny in itself. But I'm going to tell you, honestly, I didn't even see the play live. That's tough. I was – and it will, I saw Sproles make that – he, he ran that run, maybe three, four yards, and the clock is ticking down. And in my head, I know I, I thought they are just going to play for the two-minute warning. Oh, so you just kind of glanced away? I was away under and... the assumption that there was maybe 2.14 left on the clock when I had my eyes down. I went to my phone. I looked at mm-hmm. Twitter to see some updates, Okay, you know, yeah. see some opinions and 
up-to-the-date stuff as we millennials yeah, love to do. everybody does now. This is a very casual routine for most of yeah. us. And my eyes are down, and I'm assuming to hear the two-minute warning, quick commercial break, come back and watch Nikki Foles try and put together another magical run in the playoffs for my Eagles. And I hear Kevin Burkhardt on Fox, she yells, and it's intercepted! I looked up, and I'm watching with my girlfriend, and I'm like, why are they running a play? What 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 was the process? Two oh two on the clock, and they run up to the line. They make that quick snap. They bust it. To, they bust it to Jeffrey, and it goes through his hands. The game's over, and I barely even caught it. Yeah, that's strange. And wh- where were they on the field again? They were. Were they still on? Was Philly still on their own side of the fifty? Like, were they? Did they need to I think hurry they were just to get past the fifty? I didn't think they had to rush it because they all. had a timeout left still as yeah. well. So yeah, I don't know why they would be rushing to to do to make that play with the two minute warning so close. It, it was so bizarre. And then I had buddies texting me like, "Oh my god, you know, blah 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 blah." I can't believe this magical run. And I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I wasn't even watching. Completely under the assumption that we were going to just have this season end in the final 120 seconds after just catching your breath, going with a game plan and quick snap through the hands. Season's over. Yeah. Just wild. So At least I got the Flyers, though. Right, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, the nice thing about this Eagles team is is now you can continue to talk about them with what the heck is going to go on with Foles. That's right. But before you go moving forward, I'll tell you, I went into the weekend very much thinking that we were going to come out with a Philly-Dallas NFC Championship next week. Really? And I thought just I just had a bad, bad feeling that that was going to happen because for everybody else, other than those two fan bases, that was just a nightmare probably. Oh, absolutely. And even for those, I thought even for those fan bases it would be bad because imagine being the Eagles. You're trying to go to back-to-back Super Bowls, but imagine could you ever live down losing an NFC Championship game to the Cowboys? And could they ever live down losing an NFC Championship at home to the Eagles? That's a very good point. That is a very good point. That like that, a, yeah. It might not have been the most entertaining of games on the field, but with all the storylines that you throw into that, that would have been one heck of a game. Oh, I have to agree. But I'm happy we didn't get it, by all means. No offense to you, sir. No, I don't I don't take any. It's been a topic of discussion all day with Chopin the Bulldog here. Like this is this is a final four for the ages. What we've got going on. KC and New England, albeit in very interesting conditions in Kansas City, they could be playing in sub-zero conditions yeah. at Arrowhead. But the top four scoring offenses has been the story of the the story of the weekend are going on. That's that's something that is literally can't miss TV. This is this is a playoff bracket that it's how it should go. You know how you you know how you feel like you always get those upsets and you're like, "Wow, if only LA was here." Or, wow, imagine if Kansas City pulled it off and against Indy or they weren't upset by Andrew Luck and you know the way the way you envision it, the best teams keep going and th- this is what I feel like is coming coming together these final few weeks and you're going to continue to get good matchup after good matchup after good matchup. It's going to be unbelievable this upcoming weekend yeah as much as people love upsets and as fun as it is to watch some teams that weren't necessarily the best all year go on a run and got it like the Eagles. i mean the eagles were really good last year they were the top seed but to get have the wentz injury and play as the underdog it was a different type of story but anytime you get a semifinals that has the top four teams or the best four teams of the year i feel like it always delivers like the NBA Conference Finals last year had, even though the Cavaliers weren't a top two seed, 
they were one of the best teams in the East. Like them in Boston delivered seven game series. Houston Golden State seven game series. And what was the final four? Two thousand eight final four was the first time all four one seeds made it in the same year. Yes. And that was the Derrick Rose final four. Like Kansas, North Carolina went to overtime. I mean, that was a great final four. So like whether you're a football fan or not, like I'll be the first person to admit I haven't watched a ton of NFL football this year. But I'm really excited about the conference championship games because I know that they're going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it's going to be the gift that keeps on giving all the way to the end. Yeah. Oh, boy. But you know what? Enough football. It's The Sabres are in uncharted waters right now as they head to Western Canada, and that's kind of what we're preparing you for, the pregame ahead of pregame. If we could, John and myself here before Brian Koziel takes over at 8 o'clock. Sabres in Edmonton tonight. Updated Rogers plays, taking on Connor McDavid. And the Oilers at 9 o'clock. The Uncharted Waters, you know, two days ago would have been a different story because the Waters were the playoffs. And from Halloween up until now, they were deep in the discussion of playoff teams. But a 3-6-1 and one rut mixed with a, oh, man. Forgive me if I'm wrong. I didn't have a chance to log in here, but like maybe four wins in 15 or 16 games since the 10-game winning streak. Yeah, it hasn't been a lot. It's been tough times, but thanks to that 10-game winning streak and such a short, condensed NHL schedule, they're still in the hunt. And I know that Buffalo fans around the world, and especially in this area, don't like hearing the words in the hunt, but... For all the animosity and all the wacky up and down turns that this season has had, one point out on January 14th as you head to Western Canada, only trailing the Canadians. We're also ahead of schedule. What are your thoughts on that? Because you've been here for your entire life. Your dad's worked in the media. Right. January 14th, X year, one point out of the wild card. Like, when's the last time you were able to say that? Yeah, it was when I was probably in middle school. And you were probably just in your first year of high school. So, I mean, it's been a long time for both of us. And going into this year, I I definitely didn't expect them to be in this spot right now. I thought that they would be in the hunt for the playoffs the whole year. But that 10-game winning streak did help so much. I mean, I said then, take this for what it's worth. I mean, this doesn't mean that they're going to be a top seed in the division. They're not going to be the top team in the league the whole year. But this is going to help them tremendously because they would have to play so badly to take themselves out of the playoff race or being quote unquote in the hunt before season's end. Like they have to go on a really, really bad streak even after the All Star game to take themselves out of the race before the season's over. I think that they're going to be in it until game number 82. Yeah, I remember during the streak, it may have been the 10th consecutive win. Joe and I did a show after that a couple of months back when it was occurring, as they, I believe, they were going for number 11. And, you know, I looked up the stats because two years ago we had consecutive streaks going on where the Minnesota Wild made it to 14 wins in a row and the Columbus Blue Jackets made it to 16. So if you do the quick math there, 82-game season, 16 games, 16 wins for the Blue Jackets, that's 32 points. I'm paraphrasing here, but they, I believe, ended with just over 100. So that's a little less than a third of their points were compiled in 16 of their 82 games yeah like a fifth of their schedule then the wild were the same way they finished with about 106 points in the central 14 came in 28 came in 14 games that's like a fifth of their total 
just under a, actually a, just under a fourth. And the rest of the the rest of the season, those two teams play 500 hockey. So win streaks like this, unless you're the 2016-17 Flyers, they ticket you to the playoffs. <laughs> unless you have a catastrophic implosion, and even on this stretch, you've seen that you're able to withstand this tough streak, and you'll be able to, you know, in years past, this would be catastrophic to the season's end, you know, um, result and points total, but you cushioned yourself with such a great November that with this tough stretch towards the end of the new year and into the new year and into January, you know, you find yourself one point out. And I think that says a lot about this team because they've been through some ups and downs. They lost Jack Eichel again for a couple of games. The goaltending is what it was during the streak. It was phenomenal. They hit, they've hit a little bit of a, a rut here, you know, the, but so many, so many storylines, you know, the defense, the defensive thing, there's, there's a lot to be proud of. And, if, Mon- if things go wrong for Montreal tonight and you take care of business out in Edmonton for the start of this three-game swing, then just like that, you're flip-flopping again and you're talking about the wild card. Absolutely, yeah. And and I'm glad that you actually brought up that, what was it, 2016-17 Flyers that yep. had the tight game win streak and missed out on the playoffs? Team. So that's what I was going to ask, because when did their win streak happen during the season? It was later than this Buffalo one, right? It was later than this, and they also had a 10-game losing streak earlier in the season. Okay, so they got themselves kind of back into the race with the streak. Yep. It didn't put themselves ahead. So their story's a little bit different, because I was going to ask, what happened after their streak? I mean, because you watched them, I assume, a lot during that year, and you've watched the Sabres team a lot this year. I mean, do you see similarities in the Sabres after the streak that you saw in the Flyers? I mean, did they go through that like the same kind of pains after the winning streak at all, or was has it been completely different? They it, it was fairly comparable. It's hard to strike similarities to the Flyers and insert NHL team here because of their famed and infamous history of goaltending the last 30 years. But in those 10 games that they won, from what I recall, it wasn't all the goaltending. They were actually more or less outscoring their goalies. So in that in that regard, Buffalo's streak was a lot different because they had a lot of puck luck. It was close games. It was one goal game. That's another thing, too, you know. The season always balances itself out. With the bounces, you know, the Carolina game on Friday night is what it is. Bounces don't go your way, you lose by a goal, whatever. Ten games in a row, you get bounces to go your way. The, the Bucks aren't bouncing your your way now, you know, you just it all finds its way to even itself out. The ebbs and flows of this of the season. Now, this is a funny game. Anybody can win on any given night, and but if you can find yourself on that kind of streak, it's been proven in the past, and unless you're the 2016-17 Flyers, you're kind of paving your path to the playoffs just because you're able to do so good on that little stretch of time. And that's what I think Buffalo has going for him because, again, like John, like John and I just said, a flip-flop here, if Boston takes care of business and beats Montreal in Boston and you take out a Connor McDavid and insert player here roster of the Oilers, then you're going into Calgary looking to build off that and looking to attack the Islanders for the first walkout spot because they're not in action tonight. Yeah, and I think that this is a road trip where the 2-3 or is absolutely, it's realistic. It should be the goal. I I think if they come out of it 2 out of 3, we should be happy. I definitely don't expect to come out with 6 points from this trip. But I think if they start out with a win in Edmonton tonight, it would be a very good jump start. And if they can get a win in Cal, or a win in Edmonton, and play Calgary to overtime, five out of six on the Western trip going into the All-Star break, I think would be a major confidence boost for this team because 
the first half of January has been pretty, pretty rough. Buffalo killed the Western Canada roadie last year at about the same time in the season, which I think is another thing that the, the returners from last year's team can have a lot of confidence in going into this week's stretch. January 22nd to the 25th of 2018, they go in – Succession, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, one goal allowed. Between all three games? Between all three games. Two-to-one win in Calgary in overtime. Jack Eichel scores the game winner on his seventh shot of the night. Five-nothing win in Edmonton. Jack had four points, Reinhardt three. Four-nothing shutout in Vancouver. Leonard's second consecutive shutout in that. They thrived out there last year. And for hmm. those returners, like I said, Jack Eichel had a huge road trip. Sam Reinhardt had three points. He got up to his about his 10th goal of the year last year in one of the goals in Vancouver. The young guys, too, those guys that just did this trip last year, it could be a confidence boost, especially you think about last year. It's a completely different situation, different scenario. The points weren't what they were at this point in the season last year when they did the same kind of swing in this month. But it's buildings, it's teams that – you handled last year. You have a stronger core now, and you got the same head coach. Like, like everything going into this matchup, based off last year's screams, like you can definitely, like you said, two out of three at the least would be awesome. And I think you talk about how they played on this trip last year, guys using that as a confidence boost. And I think one thing that a lot of people can say that's true about this team is they play really well when Jack Eichel is, you know stepping to the front of the group and being the spearhead of everything that the team is doing. You know, the offense. He When he's more aggressive and he's playing angry, not angry to the point where it's out of control, but angry to the point where he's so motivated to win that he's getting everybody playing to their best of their ability around him, I think that's the Jack Eichel that you're going to see on this road trip. Because you said it. He did it well last year. And he likes competition. He's said it. Austin Matthews is a guy that brings out you know the best in him. You know, playing against Connor McDavid tonight, we talked about it earlier before you know the seven o'clock hour started. It really matters when these two guys are playing together. Everybody acknowledges they're the top two picks from the 2015 draft. And when Eichel plays in a game where there's another superstar player on the other side, he's you know he's up in the ante. He's more intense and he's more in the zone. And I think when he's really going, that gets the whole group going as well. Yeah, you saw a lot of that fire come out in the Saturday night loss against Tampa Bay. That third period. I don't really want to call it a collapse. You can't call it a collapse against Tampa Bay. No, absolutely Eight regulation not. losses coming into their 43rd game of the year. The fact that you brought a third period lead is a victory in itself. Like, that team is going to get you. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, and they played Tampa. Re- I mean, they beat them Part in the Buffalo streak. earlier in the season during the streak. And from what I remember, I don't think that they played them too badly in their first game down in Tampa this year. I that could be wrong. That was a wacky game. And that was coming the off of a loss in Florida yeah. the night before as well. That's so right. You, you've played Tampa Bay under pretty bad, hard circumstances, two nights in a row, or two games in a row, down in Tampa and then back here. And they didn't come away with any points, but it happens. They're the best team in the league for a reason. I mean, they are way ahead of everybody else in the Eastern Conference, and even in the West, too. I mean, I I don't think last night or two nights ago, I don't think that that's a bad loss at all. No, nowhere close. And uh, oh, if you want to be frightened or appalled or shocked or amazed, whatever emotion the Lightning roster will do to you. Go look at some of the players they got out there and the point totals. Nikita Kucherov. He's going to have 75, 75 points, points before the All-Star five break. games. It's crazy. 
yeah, no shame in that. If you've played them hard all year and it looks and shows and you can see as you're watching and listening, it brings the best out on these guys because Buffalo knows they're right on the cusp of being a little bit just behind Tampa Bay. Like Jack Eichel was th- the penalty. Uh, you remember the penalty against uh, the Ryan McDonough? McDonough? Yeah, that's a lot of people weren't happy about that. There, that's fans were booing at the end of the game. I was at the arena. I mean, at the end, and I was wondering they can't be booing the team's effort. Like no, this many people can't be point. upset with yeah. how they played. They played really well. It has to be how this third period was officiated. And up in the press box. And even down by locker rooms after the game, a lot of people were debating on whether they thought it was a penalty or not. And on both sides of the media, you know, some Tampa media thought it was or wasn't. Some Buffalo media thought it was or it wasn't. There was a that was the most talked about play of that game, and it really it was a huge turning point. You had a gut feeling that Tampa was going to score after Eichel went into the box. Yeah, it's Jack going off on a questionable call. There's six minutes left in the game. Buffalo was maybe not even thirty seconds into a very crucial power play. And, you know, that's another one of those reasons that hockey's just a funny game. You get a call this way, a bounce this way, and next thing you know, Tampa strikes late in the period, and 5-3, you're going home losers when you had them right where you wanted them going into the third. But, you know, you got another shot at him. You got a chance to do good on this Western Canada trip. But right now, we're going to take a quick break, John and myself. When we come back, we're going to bring another – Expert in WGR beat reporter Paul Hamilton, who was out in Edmonton all day today getting ready for the trip. He joined Show Up on the Bulldog this afternoon to preview the game as well. We will bring that back to you as we get you ready for Sabres pregame with Brian Cozio, the Paul Wayne Belts pregame show at 8 o'clock. So stick right back. We will be back very soon. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Kyle Powell and John Simon spitting some bars here on a Monday night. I was just reading Paul's write-up for the GR website ahead of the game tonight, and a name caught me that I don't think I've ever heard before, and it is the Oilers goaltender tonight. Miko Koskinen. Never. Never. He's 30 years old. Checking out his NHL hockey reference page here. He has, oh my goodness, until this season, he had not played in the NHL since playing with the Islanders in 2010-2011 at the ripe young age of 22. He played four games and then went on a eight-year hiatus until Edmonton found him. Mm. And he's suddenly 12-8 and eight this year. Where was he playing the entire time? Does it show his stats anywhere else? Is he like KHL, anywhere in Europe, or minors? He signed as a free agent by, I apologize any Finnish listeners when I botched his name, Kuopio, Finland, November of 2011. Sure. I remember his stint there. I I can't believe I didn't start with that when we met. No, I (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So Miko Koskinen tonight, another reason to come into this uh, this road trip having a lot of confidence. 30-year-old goaltender out of the league for seven, eight years, playing overseas, like... Take care of business. But without further ado, we did promise you Paul Hamilton's playback from Chopin the Bulldog. Here is the Sabres beat reporter from earlier today giving you a preview of tonight's game. Sabres and Oilers tonight. First McDavid versus Eichel game of the year. 
Paul Hamilton in Edmonton, which is, if you are new to the station and the show, his favorite road city to visit. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful is, place. Does that still hold true, Paul, even with this brand spanking new arena? Yeah, Winnipeg, I think, is under it, but uh, I don't think it's a compliment. So I agree with Rob. I was sitting there today with uh, Julio, and we were just talking about how it was just gray there. You know, you're sitting there. We were under a little bit of a ledge, so you couldn't see the scoreboard. And I go, it's kind of drab sitting in here. And I walked around the concourses. The concourses are huge. That's the advantage of it. I mean, you could fit most of the crowd in one concourse. They're, they're very, very wide. But um, just, you know, walking around, uh, you know, you're basically, if you might see photos of McDavid, Gretzky, and Messier, and that's basically it. Um, and I didn't see really anything special with the place. And this is, I mean, you're talking about a team that won a lot of hardware in the 80s. Like, you, you might think that they might work a little bit to have it be, I don't know, seem more like their place, I guess. Is, is... Yeah, I walked by their interview room where they talk to the coach and stuff. They have five mini Stanley Cups sitting in there. Yeah. But the fans don't really see that. Right. You know, so there's a nice statue of Wayne Gretzky out, out front. You know, that's cool. But that's that was back at the old place. I mean, they just moved it over. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's not horrible or it's not like the Barclays Center or anything like that. But it's just, you know, I, I walked in it and it's just kind of a, an arena. So the Sabres are coming off two losses uh, Friday, Saturday. It would have been nice to get one point out of those games, close enough games, competitive, but behind and unable to do so on Friday in Carolina and then not able to keep up with the Lightning either on Saturday. What's um, your overall assessment of how they how they looked? Yeah, I, I, I thought uh, the Lightning game was a real good opportunity for them to beat them again. They already had beaten them at home once this year, and... The Lightning, I saw their game against Carolina. I was in Carolina for that, and Carolina had a one to nothing lead in the third period, and the Lightning did their thing and won that game. And then the Sabres, I thought, clearly had the better of the play in the first period. Second period was a little bit more even, but it wasn't a bad period for Buffalo. And then they take the lead in the third period, and the bugaboo, I almost say more than not being able to score goals from a bunch of different people is they lost the lead again. And it seems like a nightly occurrence where even in their wins, they tend to lose the lead, then have to get it back and, and win maybe in overtime or or those types of things. And, you know, that's just troubling that you, you take the lead against Tampa 3-2 to two and then things happen, whether they were warranted or not from the penalty department or however you want to stretch that. Still, they happen, and the guys who were paid to come through come through. Stamkos, Kucherov. Um, all of a sudden they have golden opportunities to score and they take full advantage. And next thing you know, you lose a game where you had a really good opportunity to get yeah. a point and a really good opportunity to win that game. Yeah, it felt to me, and maybe this is just easy to do because of how Tampa's game uh, in in Brooklyn went last night with the Islanders, Paul. But the Islanders scored three goals in five minutes to start the game. And, like, you know, Tampa maybe outplayed them uh, the second and third period didn't matter like they 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 couldn't catch up and while buffalo has these patches and games the islander game on new year's eve comes to mind where they're dominating play 
you need to get goals out of that. You need something on the scoreboard. And I recognize the Sabres ended the first period with a 2-1 lead, but the opportunity maybe to to do what the Islanders did to Tampa, like knock them out early, um, is maybe your best chance. So you, you just don't leave them an opportunity to come back and get you in the end. And you're not facing their best goaltender either. The all-star goaltender's not a net. And you leave the period with a 2-1 to lead, a period where you had all sorts of opportunities, but couldn't capitalize till the very end and the only reason they got the second goal is I think Tage Thompson came in and semi-fanned on the shot and it made it an unexpected type shot that wound up going into the net so it was almost a fortunate play for it It was a good play that they made the play to get it down there and get the opportunity but um, you know too much shooting at guys and you know Connor Sherry comes to mind you know, it seems like every game now he's finding himself alone in front or in on net, and it's just in the pads, in the chest protector. It's just, you know, not not going in the net at all for a guy that maybe isn't necessarily a 20 or 25 goal scorer, but certainly better than what we've seen lately. Yeah, you got to pick the spots. I mean, that's how, that's what, I mean, you know, you can be hard on Olmark for the goals, um, the, maybe the, the third and fourth goals, but those are world-class players with clean shots. And they went bar down. Like, they, they picked a corner and nailed it, and there's no hitting him in the crest. You know? I mean, they, um, you, you got to be fine if you're going to score on these goalies. That's talented. And it hasn't helped that Jack Eichel hasn't had a point in four straight games, and really they have not gotten any points from him in seven because he wasn't dressed for three of them. Right. So the Sabres have gone now seven straight games without anything from Jack Eichel, three of which he didn't play in. But, you know, they, they count on him. You know, he has to be on the scoreboard for them, and it's awfully difficult for them to win when he's not. The the, the difference is talent, is it not? I had my mm-hmm. microphone off because when I go to type something, I guess it could be heard. Um, all right, so now the uh, the trip to Western Canada, and while Calgary is has really turned it on this year, and they've got a lot of talent up top, you know, th- this is a trip where you're on the level with these teams at large, I think, or just about. And so I would say four points is pretty good if you can do that. Would you say that? Absolutely. I think four minimum. I, Calgary's a tough, tough ask. I mean, they're the second-best team in the league right now, and they've, they've kept with it. It, they, it hasn't been a fluke. You know, they're, they're a good team, and they've, you know, they can score. They can do a lot of different things. I watched their game, you know, 7-1 to one beating Arizona. Uh, it was like Arizona wasn't even there. I mean, it, it was, it was, you know. So if you if you don't have your A game against Calgary, that'll turn into a bad situation quickly. But I agree. I think I don't. You know, normally you say five hundred. I don't think three points is good enough here. I think with the situation they're in, with Carolina coming fast, and you know, the, now they're out of the playoff race. They they go into the game, you know, out of the playoff race for the first time. And they have to start accumulating points again, and I think it needs to be at least four out of, on this trip. How about the Edmonton goalie? It's kind of a cool story. This guy Koskinen, who will play tonight, he played four games for the Islanders in 2010-2011. And since then has been playing mostly in the KHL. He's been in a, on a lot of teams over his career, uh, minor league teams coming up, and not been in the NHL, though, for seven, eight years between that stint and this one. And he's been the better of the two Oiler goalies, statistically, at least. Uh, I think that means that he has been the better goalie. And so he gets this game here tonight. Kind of a cool story. Koskinen. Yeah, it is. I'm trying to remember him as an Islander. You know, I've been th- and I just, I just can't. I, I, don't, I don't remember no. any games with him as an Islander. 
No, I don't eat at all. He was more in Bridgeport uh, when he was with that organization, so I don't either. But but even his last seven starts, he had the one good start against Arizona, and, and then in the other six games has given up 22 goals. Yep. So even lately, it's been a little bit of a struggle for him, too, even though he has better numbers than Talbot. I, any, if you don't have a save percentage in 920, I'm not impressed, but they're much better in numbers than Talbot, that's for sure. Right. Paul, you talked to Eichel. We'll hear the entire conversation uh, on pregame. You mentioned it's been a while. Obviously, there's an injury that took him out of um, three games, almost almost a fourth, because he played like you know, only a couple of minutes against the Islanders in the game that he left on New Year's Eve. Um, do, do you think he's all the way back, or do you think there's still something that might be lingering? No, I think he's all the way back, but he definitely acknowledged this morning that he needs to get himself going. Uh you know, they, he knows the team counts on him, and uh, he has not been happy with his play. So uh, I watch him fairly closely out there to see if I can see anything, like even when he doesn't have the puck and he's coming back up ice, if he's laboring at all or kind of shaking his shoulders or his head or whatever the upper body injury may have been. And, you know, I don't see any of it. And he, he's okay. not afraid to get in with contact. He took a pretty good hit, a couple of pretty good hits since he's been back. And he's been getting right up, so I, you know, I know I, I you know, he says he's a hundred percent, and I haven't seen anything on the ice to dispute that. How about pilot sitting? Yeah, I think it was more than him just giving the puck away the other night. He did have a rough outing. Bolu hasn't played in five games, and quite honestly, I don't think Bolu was benched because he was playing poorly. I just think he was benched because they thought pilot right now is is. Better they want to get him playing, and uh, you know right now Bolu is their number seven D. But I think this is a team against Edmonton that where he might be able to that kind of falls into his category a little bit more, where they might be able to get up ice against Edmonton. He likes to get up ice with that, so um, I, I think it was just time to get him a game. He hadn't played in five games. Pilot uh, didn't have a real good showing, and as I mentioned, I want to stress, keep stressing, it was more than just a giveaway. That led to a goal. You know his his games where he struggles. I've seen it against Pittsburgh. I've seen it against Tampa. It seems to be the better, faster teams where he'll struggle a little bit. But I'm not worried about it at all. I think he'll be just fine. I I think he's going to be a very good defenseman for many years to come for the Sabers, and I don't think it's a worry. Good. And Hutton goes back in goal. Yeah, Hutton's in goal. I mean, the two of them have given up nine goals in the last two yeah. games, so. Uh, Hutton had that home five to one victory, then he gave up four in Carolina, and Allmark gave up five. So that's going to have to come down. I mean, think back to last year. McDavid did not have a point in either game against the Sabers. But how long is that going to go for? And right. if you get loose against McDavid, he can make you pay in a big, big hurry. So uh, you know that that I think is a little bit of concern that the team has given up the nine goals in the last two games with with, with both goaltenders in net. Sounds right. Very good. Thank you, Paul. Enjoy the game. Okay, take care, guys. It's Paul Hamilton earlier today on the show with Shropa and the Bulldog. I like the point he made. As we get you to break here really quickly, though, John, that it's a luxury, whether whether fans, whether the players, whether they know it or not, to have eight comparable and functional D-men that you can plug and play at a coach's disposal. Like, granted, Lawrence Pilot had a tough day against Tampa Bay. But as Paul said there, it's not exactly – you can't just attribute his benching to the fact that he had such a tough day against one of the best teams in the league. Maybe he needed a rest. You can plug and play. Okay, Nate, go play. 
Nate Bolius first game tonight in five five games. He got rested and recovered. He was banged up earlier this year, and now he jumps in on the blue line, and there you go. You don't really skip a beat. And plus, Pilot's young. You're going to have growing pains. You yeah. can put a veteran in there on the blue line and really not see much difference. I think that's, that's, that's huge. Yeah, none of their guys are perfect by any means, but having that depth after having so much, this team's had so much problems on the blue line over the last years. I mean, people have complained about guys back there over the past years like Franzen, Cody Franzen, and Josh Georges. I mean, you got young guys back there right. who are all learning and getting good ice time and are all getting, you know, developing to, into good NHL players. And when one of them needs a rest, like Pilot does tonight, there's a guy like Nathan Bolia who I think has played really well this year in a lot of games. He gets to go back in and try and solidify that he belongs in that top six. So Most definitely. It's all about making the most of your opportunities on this team. Competition makes guys better. Quick scoreboard update around the NHL. As it turns out, it's a short schedule, and every one of the games has some involvement with the Eastern Conference around the league. The Maple Leafs are tied with the Avalanche through a period of play. Shots heavily favoring Colorado, though, 13-5 to in Toronto. They also have a power play that is carrying over to the start of the second. Devils up 1-0 over the Blackhawks after a period. Blake Coleman's 15th gets New Jersey on the board. The Wild, they're doubling up the Flyers. 2-1 in the first period. James Van Rienslake continues his odd resurgence. With his ninth goal, the Caps are up one nothing on the Blues, though the St. Louis Blues have a 14-7 shot advantage after a period. Ovi's 33rd. Does he get to 50 again? Holy cow. And we're watching in front of us the most important game on many Sabres fans' schedules of the night, Montreal in Boston. Montreal currently in the second wildcard spot over the Sabres by a point, 53-52. They are scoreless five minutes in. John and I will be back for last call. In just a few minutes, it's the nightcap here on WGR. Welcome back to the nightcap. A couple of minutes here before the start of the Paul William Bell's pregame show on WGR. John and I were just talking about some predictions for tonight's game. And some of the sound you'll be hearing in the pregame show. What do you have? What do you see tonight? Miko Koskinen versus Carter Hutton. A struggling Sabres offense, especially on the road. 1-6-1 and one in their last eight games on the road, especially since the streak. What are you looking to get out of tonight's game? And what do you think we will see come puck drop? Well, we were talking about a couple guys are due for some scoring. We'd like to see Casey Middlestad do something. Tage Thompson's another guy where... Someone in this room, TJ just got here, TJ Luckman, he tweeted the other day, Thompson's a guy where you see he does something good every single night and you hope, what was it, he can put it all together. I think that that's a great point about him. You know, this is a game where I hope that he can break out. But like you said, we got an unfamiliar name in that, and I think that the Sabres need to take advantage of that on a guy that really doesn't have a ton of experience. TJ, do you think it's fair for me to say that Tage Thompson could be the Sabres version of Josh Allen? No, TJ. I don't know if he's saying no to the question or if he's just not not prepared to talk. That's fine. I've 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 come to that conclusion at some points. Big by six six five, huge amount of upside. I see his slap shot almost as Josh Allen's arm. There's a ton of potential. Anyway, what are you laughing at me for? We're not huge laughing frame. at you. 
huge frame, and I think that a couple years down the road, he's going to be a lethal part of the power play, especially here yeah. in Buffalo. Yeah, absolutely. Key I mean, part of the Ryan O'Reilly trade. The biggest part. The, the most important part. piece, other than the first round pick, depending on what happens with that. But I mean, Saboka and obviously Berglund were throwaways, so he's one of the he's fifty percent of the trade. Yes, Tage Thompson continuing to bud as an NHLer. So too is Casey Middlestat. You will hear from Phil Housley as part of the pregame interviews, locker room interviews, and he will definitely touch on Casey Middlestat and his desire, necessity, need to kind of adapt more of a shooting mentality as a 21-year-old, have a lot of confidence in your abilities, and really put pucks to the net because good things can happen for this team when he is helping to drive the bus on whatever line he is on. But that is it for John and myself. Thank you for sticking with us during this kind of makeshift hour of the nightcap. But for John Simon, I am Kyle Powell signing off on the nightcap. Brian Koziel brings the Paul William Belts pregame show to you next here on WGR, ahead of Sabres and Oilers from Edmonton.